Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Tonight, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misik is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, tonight at 9, 8 central on CBS. Tonight, it's the CBS original comedy, The Neighborhood. I need at least a month to prepare for a debate, not six hours. Actually, it's four hours. <laughs> no, my watch is broken, too. With Cedric the Entertainer, Max Greenfield, and guest star Wayne Brady. You gotta fund the schools or graduate fools. I stole all my lines. Look, don't worry, I got a plan. Okay, well, what is it? Okay, so I don't have a plan. A new episode of The Neighborhood. You're gonna have to give them a show. Tonight, 8, 7 central on CBS. We got a bunch to get to, including the NBA playoffs, the draft lottery coming up on Thursday. And as we do each and every Tuesday morning at 1040, we enlist the help of a man who's covered the National Basketball Association for a long time. Our buddy Rick Bunnell, Charlotte Observer. He's back with us on the Technicom hotline. Rick, how are you, man? I'm well, Kyle. I hope you are. I am. I'm doing well. Uh, first, your reaction to uh, the first night of the NBA playoffs. I know those seeding games were – I was reading Chris Mannix this morning, and, and he was right. You know, a lot of those seeding games were kind of ho-hum, but, man, they, they turned up well, the intensity Kyle, yesterday, right? Well, Kyle, i, I got to say that, um, you know, if you, take, if you take the Brooklyn game out of it, yeah. that was as entertaining a night of basketball as you could possibly hope for. If the neutral court is going to make for much more in close, intense basketball, because pe- because home crowds are not going to dissipate one team's um, fire. Well, no, that's true. And and so on. What like how have you noticed anything about how this is impacting the play? I don't think we think about these things during it. But I was really interesting in the handicapping angle leading up to this, right? With no fans in the stands, no home court advantage. Have you noticed anything on that front? Uh, no, because you know something? I I think maybe what we're seeing is that maybe players have been much better than we thought at sort of tuning out what goes on outside those lines. Um, boy, I'll tell you, wasn't Donovan Mitchell incredible last night? And the other thing that came really to mind to me was um, I didn't get to watch all of the, uh, all the Dallas games, but Jason Tatum, before our very eyes, is becoming one of the ten best players in the whole league. What, expand on that, because I was just talking about Tatum a couple of days ago. He did all that work with Kobe Bryant. They were they were working together a ton, you know, to uh, to round out his game, to sharpen some things, and it sure looks like it's paid off. What what do you think's clicked for him? He's a very intelligent, eclectic guy, and that matters. Um, I have always thought that. Um, Smart guys probably don't get enough credit for how much difference that means as far as being able to express their athletic gifts. Um, he's a generalist. Sure, he scores a ton, but 
He's long. He's strong. He, he thinks about the nuances of the game. There is no area where you say, boy, Jason Tatum is letting people down. Rick Bennell, Charlotte Observer, he's with us on the Technicom Hotline. Luca sets a, uh, a playoff record, 42 points in his postseason debut. I, I've I've heard the Larry Bird comparisons. I, w- I was listening this morning, uh, maybe yesterday, uh, to someone say, look, when he was coming out, we had some GMs pass on him because they thought he wouldn't play a lick of defense when he got to the league. Well, Larry Bird also you know, was uh, not a great defender, but nobody could stop him either. As you've watched Luca, and especially last night, where's this kid headed? Well, he's so much more than a scorer in the sense that, you know, he's a facilitator. You know, when, when you and I have talked about Danny Avia, and I'm not making a comparison here. I'm more talking about the generalities of skill sets. The ability to be both score and be a connector to another player as a secondary ball handler, that's always been important in the NBA, but I think it's in this age of positionless basketball, it's become that much bigger a deal. Rick, as far as Kimball Walker and the Celtics, they, they beat the Sixers last night. And, you know, I, I see Sixers fans, they're angry. You know, I saw some Sixers fans saying, well, outside of, uh, you know, the, the Joel Embiid and uh, Jason Tatum matchup, which is a wash, that the Sixers are the more talented basketball team. I don't know that I buy that. And I also don't know that I buy that the Celtics aren't a true title contender when it's all said and done. I, did, did anything last night about the Celtics win do anything for you, move you in any way? People have told you that they think the Sixers are a more talented basketball team? Oh, Rick, I read I read dozens of them last night. I was floored. That shocks me because the fourth or fifth best player on the Celtics is, you know, is arguably one of the 50-75 best play all 50-75 best players in the whole league. I mean, when 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 Brown and Tatum are so good that Jason Hayward becomes ancillary he doesn't he isn't a primary scoring option that's an amazing wealth of talent there and i think brad has done a really good job of using everybody you know even if they're playing a little bit out of position i really like brad's attitude of i'm going to put my five best out there and you need to figure out how to adapt to them i am not going to change for you I'm really going to watch closely this afternoon, Rick, what the Milwaukee Bucks look like against Orlando, and it's just one game. I don't want to make it a referendum. I still like Milwaukee a lot, but there have been too many times in the last week or two, and quite honestly, even before the shutdown, that I wondered, is this really a championship-caliber team? And the more I watch Toronto, even without Kawhi Leonard, this looks like it, it, it might, could be, or should be the favorite in the East. What do you see? Oh, I, I think it's definitely a, a, a coin flip between those two teams. Sometimes I think as, as a sports society, we just don't pay attention enough to experience as opposed to a simple, you know, sort of aggregate of talent. Um, those, those guys who played with Kawhi last season, they are, have been in so many gut situations now. They know how to close people out. They know to get, how to get on top of people. Um, Fred Van Vliet has become just a great supplement to Kyle Lowry. They're a really, really good basketball team, and they define some of the parts. Rick Bunnell, Charlotte Observer, he's with us on the Technicom Hotline. You can follow him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bunnell. The Hornets, uh, anything about these seeding games, playoffs, click for you about uh, possible comparisons or uh, reasons for optimism as it pertains to the Hornets roster? 
I don't know about optimism, Kyle. <laughs> this is illustrated is that um, the experience that teams like uh, like Phoenix and Washington gained um, just puts. I agree with Mitch, what Mitch Kupchak said to me Friday that you know this has put them that much further back in the developmental process, and I understand that all this stuff is a function of negotiation between the league and the union. But I'm getting to the point where I'm really surprised that, that, that a solution to this let them practice uh, issue has not been um, has not been reached yet. I mean, how does does that issue come to a head? What does that look like? I, I don't know. Like, if I'm Borrego, I am I am pretty upset about this. I, I get that we're all you know in a pandemic here, but they're really behind the eight ball if they have to go nine and a half months without any practice, without any developmental opportunities. You know, in the way these other teams are getting them, how does this scenario in your mind come to a head? I think you would agree with me that between James Borrego and Mitch Kupchak, Mitch is by far the more calculated, understated person. Uh-huh. He got fired up. He got fired up with me on the phone Friday when he started saying that you know he looks at the situation and he wonders if this is you know this is has pushed them back a year to a year and a half relative to the competition and development. Um, I think at the end of the day, teams will be allowed to do some practicing in September. In their own facilities, I don't think that any scrimmages are likely to be approved, but that's okay. JB told me, you know, a month ago that if he could do nothing but at least work with the team as a group, that was fine with him. Rick, let's talk draft. The uh, the lottery on Thursday. The, I think if, if my math is correct, the Hornets have a, a 26% chance to pick in the top four, a 73% chance to pick eighth, ninth, or tenth. So we know what they're they're likely to be doing. But if they were to get lucky and land a top four pick, who would you imagine they're targeting? Um, I, first of all, you know, I think it's very dangerous to look at this roster and think about needs because Mitch has, has signaled so clearly that, you know, roster balance right now is not his priority. I do think that Wiseman or Avia definitely address areas where they really need help. Okay, well, see, I agree with that. I also see Wiseman. like, And I'm looking at one mock draft, but I've, I've seen a couple that have Wiseman falling out of the top five altogether. Why do you suspect that may be? Um, he's just he's a wild card. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, the body of work against quality competition. Um, you know, Mitch didn't really address this a lot when I asked him the question the other day, but you know, we need to think about how different this NBA draft process is going to be from the NFL in the sense that when the, NFL, when the, when, when the world shut down, the NFL's um, scouting process for that draft was all but completed. The NBA lost an NCAA tournament, lost most of a conference tournament, may lose a combine. We don't know whether anybody will be allowed to come in for individual workouts. Um, Hoop Summit in Portland is gone. Um, it's just different. I, I will say this. Mitch told me that he had all of his European um, scouting um, finished in January just by kind of a coincidence of when he broke away to be there because he usually likes to do that in late March and early April, and he's really glad that he was able to do his homework before everything shut down. Who do you think is the safest picked at the top of this draft? I mean, I'm looking at Edwards, Ball, Toppin, Hayes. I mean, there are names out there. Who Who is the safest pick in your mind? I'll tell you who I think is just the opposite of a safe pick is, oh. Andrew, is, is Edwards. 
Anthony Edwards. And I say that because everybody knows how talented he is. He really didn't make Georgia any better at all. And I think people kind of scratch their head and they say, you know, is this somebody who's going to post a lot of numbers that don't necessarily translate into wins? Rick Bunnell, Charlotte Observer. Follow him on Twitter, at Rick underscore Bunnell. He follows us or joins us every Tuesday morning at 1040. We appreciate you, buddy. Have a great day. Thanks. Have a great day, Kyle.